Welcome to Old Walls House. It's your main man and host, Old Walls. Back for the 16th time. Old Walls House, episode 16, coming your way. Got a fun show, as always, lined up for you guys. And you know how we're doing this to start. We're starting with that housekeeping. So thank you again, everybody. I'm a, you know, I'm always going to lead off with thank you. I appreciate everybody's support so much. I really, 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 really can't express it how much I appreciate all you guys. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you could, please comment, rate, review, subscribe, share the podcast. There's a support feature if you're interested in doing that. So please, guys, do all that if you can. And if you think it's worth it, tell your friends about it and and turn them on to the show as well. And also, before we get into everything, I just wanted to kind of say this. If you guys ever want me to talk about something particular or you have a question, please send them in. Use the email, oldwallshouse at gmail.com. If you've got my phone number, text me. you got my Twitter, my Instagram. Go go for it at that. Twitter is uh, wallysworld09. I believe the Instagram handle is the same thing. There's also a voice message option that you can leave. A voice message, just like MJ does every week with 60 Seconds with MJ. So please feel free to leave me a voice message. You can find that voice message by going into the description of each individual podcast. You can leave a voice message. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to click on a certain link to get it. It's just a general voice message. You can leave them for me. I'd love to do more of those. So do that if you're interested. So awesome. So on to the show. We've got a fun one on. Uh, Speaking of MJ, MJ's here this week with us to preview the NFL draft. We got a, a big heavyweight fight to talk about. Tyson Fury and Dillian White. The Flyers won a couple games this week. We're going to talk about that. And then we got my passing thoughts. So this should be a fun show. So with no further ado, let's get right into it. Joining me again, everybody's favorite contributor to the pod, MJ. And I bring MJ on because MJ is, of all the people I know, there's nobody who gets more into the NFL draft than this guy here. So I bring him on. He's going to kind of help us talk about what we're, uh, what we might see this week. Draft starts on Thursday. We got the first round on Thursday and then rounds two and three on Friday. And then the Saturday they finish up rounds four to seven. So MJ, welcome back, man. How you doing? I'm doing all right, Wally. Uh, it's good to, good to hear from you. And I've, as you said, man, I, NFL draft is, is the, the thing that I love um, probably the most of the off season. I know a lot of guys love the free agency stuff, but you know, I think every, uh, I think every team, especially I feel like you as a Packers fan would probably agree with this too, but you build, you build your team through the draft. And if you're a big NFL fan, this is, this is the weekend. Yeah. And so I've always loved the draft. Like I love like getting yourself like that football fix in the off season. But, you know, we've talked, you know, many, many times in our lives about, like, what we are think is going to happen in the draft. And you will just start rattling off names to me of people I've never fucking heard from of before. And sometimes they go on to be the biggest stars. And I'm like, holy shit, how did he know that? So that's why I said you were the perfect guy for this. So what are your what's what's kind of the one big thing you're looking for? and are most interested in, in this draft. And, and let's just kind of go Thursday to start on the first round. So I, I think for the first round, um, I, I think, you know, the draft is always 
super crazy. I think it, you know, everybody thinks they have all these mock drafts and everything. And, and usually by the, the fourth or fifth pick, it's, I mean, there's so many surprises and stuff. But I think this is the one, the one year probably that I've been really following a lot of analysts and a lot of scouts and a lot of things where their, their top 100 players are all so different. So I'm really interested to see. And I think more than other years, I'm interested to see kind of where a lot of these teams fit guys on their boards. So, you know, you, you look at these wide receivers, you know, some guys are saying Jameson Williams is, you know, the top receiver and you have your Garrett Wilson fans. And, um, you know, a lot of guys thought Chris Olave or Traylon Burks, you know, from um, Arkansas are guys and stuff, but not even just the the wide receivers, but the tackles and the defensive ends. And there's so many crazy positions this year because there's not that top two or three guys. There's not that top quarterback. There's not the Andrew Lux. There's not any of that. So I'm, that's kind of the, my most thing that I'm, I'm looking forward to, just to kind of see how all these teams are trying to build their draft boards this year. Yeah, and, and you said this and that there is no consensus in what you've been reading. And the same thing for me. I've looked at, I don't know, five, six, seven mock drafts, and they are all wildly different. You'll see everything from, I mean, the top pick is relatively similar. I mean, that's kind of Aiden Hutchinson or Trevon Walker. But then from there, I've seen, like, Kenny Pickett as high as two. I've also seen him as low as, like, 16. I think the Steelers are at 16. Is that where they're at? Or I might be messing that one up. Yeah, Saints are at 16. Okay, sorry. The Steelers are somewhere in that range. Um, But, yeah, it's to the point, it's just crazy. It's nobody – I can't get a feel for what I'm going to see. I've seen, you know – Things where Mark Will Malik, sorry, Malik Willis is the top quarterback coming and, and not Kenny Pickett. So while I've mentioned those two, who do you think is the first quarterback off the board? So I think if you were to, you know, ask me to put up money on something, I do think it's Malik Willis. Um I think he could go anywhere from I think the the Detroit Lions at two mm-hmm. um to basically I think man, I he could drop to maybe like you said, maybe the Steelers at twenty. Um, Sorry, Steelers are twelve is their first pick. Oh yeah, yeah. They could. Well, I have those. I have the Vikings there. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm reading a mock draft that has the the Steelers trade trading up. up to that. Sorry. Yeah. So I mean, they that's a team. Um, I think. You know, I think Washington could still be in the market for a, a quarterback, even though they just traded for Carson Wentz. Um, the Falcons at eight, but so I think if you were going to go. Or Panthers at six. I know that's a popular pick with Malik mm-hmm. Willis. Um, I, I I really think it will be Willis, but I know Pickett's up there. Um, and I really I think both of those are probably reaches, but you know it's that quarterback market. And so if I had to put a bet out there, it'd probably be the Panthers at six. But I, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody traded up, like you said, or he went as early as number two. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the picks, you have so you have the Lions at two. They need a quarterback. Texans at three. They need a quarterback. Jets at four. I'm I'm not sold on anything they have going on, so they need a quarterback. Giants, who knows? Panthers at six. Giants again at seven. Falcons need a quarterback at eight. Seahawks need a quarterback at nine. And then you got the Jets again at ten. So in that top ten, there are a lot of places for someone to go grab a quarterback if they feel like they want to roll the dice that way. So 
I'm, and I, I think the sneaky team that you just said in there, I think that I, I maybe not a sneaky team anymore, but I think the Seahawks um, could be that one of the first teams to have a quarterback on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think this is this draft isn't getting as much like publicity into the run up as it you know some other drafts have in the past. I feel, but I feel the draft itself is going to be pretty exciting because. Nobody really has a clue what's going to go on, and it, I think there is going to be some movement and some trades, and you're kind of going to be guessing on what's going to happen, and there's going to be, you know, as we've stated, vastly different points of view on who's going to go where and who should do what. So I'm as excited for this one now in the lead-up. At first I wasn't because I was like, ah, oh, nobody's talking about it. There must be a reason. And then now I realize I think they're not talking about it so much because there's no one given storyline. But I think it's going to be a fun draft. I do too. I, I think I think the what I kind of mentioned before with the whole there's not those four or five just marquee names from college football coming out this year that you know guys you know guys don't get excited about you know the day to day NFL fan doesn't get excited about an Aiden Hutchinson out of you know Michigan a DN getting drafted especially if he's not you know. Uh, a Bosa brother type mm-hmm. or a Miles Garrett type that just, I mean, he dominated, he did for Michigan, but you know, it just doesn't have that same spark this year, especially without a marquee quarterback being in that top five. Yeah. When the marquee quarterback or the marquee running back, or like you said, when you have that DN, that's just lighting people up and he's a Bosa brother, it, it brings a lot of intrigue, but yeah, with your kind of your biggest name quarterback being Kenny Pickett and even Malik Williams uh, being a sorry Malik Willis being a quarterback. I mean, he's from Liberty, so not picking up as much stuff there. But a couple other notes right here. Some some teams with some of the most picks in the draft. So I, I found these four. The Packers have eleven picks. The Texans have eleven picks, and then the Jags and Chiefs both have twelve picks. And then the lowest I counted, and double check me, I could be wrong here, but. The Dolphins have just four picks in the entire draft. So just a couple of notes there. Let's talk your team while we're at it. Let's talk the Cowboys. What are you expecting? What are you looking for? Where do you think they're going with everything? So for a long time, and this is, you know, kind of going back to that point of, you know, people are kind of ranking these guys such different. It was for a long, long time, it was the the Walker defensive end, um, I think from Georgia, if I remember correctly, Um, every mock draft back in December, January, February was Walker to the Cowboys at 24, Walker to the Cowboys at 24. And now, you know, the consensus is he's probably going to be a top 12, top 10 draft pick. So, you know, unless something crazy happened um, from now until Thursday, I just don't think that's going to be realistic unless the Cowboys do trade up, uh, which Jerry Jones is has kind of hinted towards, but if I had to put all my marbles into a, a, a basket or however you want to say it, I would say um, the green kid, I think he's a tackle from Texas A&M. Um, I believe don't, don't, I hope I didn't mess that up. Um, but I think, I think offensive tackle or guard is going to probably be the pick um, unless something crazy uh, happens with you know a player dropping that they didn't expect, um, or if they decide to trade up, which I'm actually a little excited for if they're willing to do that. Um, but I, that's that would be my go-to pick. I think they go offensive tackle slash guard, 
and um, try to get more protection for Dak, especially without Amari Cooper being a you know a good weapon this year. So you'd be. It sounds like you'd be okay with offensive tackle. What's the what's gonna What's the pick that leaves you the most disappointed coming out of the first round for the for the oh, Cowboys? Man. I think most disappointed. It, it would just have to take something really awful. Like I mean, I am a big. I'm I'm big against drafting running backs in the first round. So that would that would probably be one that I'd be like, what are we? what are we doing type of attitude. I also think a tight end, even though um, Dalton Schultz is on a franchise tag for this year, I I think they'll draft a tight end, but I don't think they go in the first round. So I would say those positions offensively would upset me. I think defensively, I think they're, especially the job that Dan Quinn did last year. I think if you asked me one year ago today, I'd be like, man, I just don't know. Like There seems to be talent, but the, the talent doesn't seem to be playing at a high enough, high enough level. And then Dan Quinn kind of came in and all of a sudden the Cowboys went from the bottom of the barrel defense to, you know, they're leading the league in turnovers and, you know, Trayvon Diggs goes from an average corner to, you know, a pro bowl caliber. And it seems like Dan Quinn can get the best out of a defensive pick. So if it's somebody like a Walker slips down there, or one of the defensive ends, um, a N'Kobe Dean, the linebacker, you know, going back-to-back drafts with a linebacker with Parsons last year, I think could, could be a good pick. Um, you know, even a corner, I think, helps out, um, especially in the long run for the Cowboys. And, of course, I think one of the biggest weaknesses is defensive tackle. Um, so I think any of those positions on the defense, I would be okay with also for them. Got it. So now comes to, you know, the main event as far as things in Old Wall's house are concerned. <laughs> the Packers. So yes. my Packers got two picks in the first round. They got 22 and 28. And their, their receiving core is sketchy at best right now. And there seem to be some decent wide receivers floating around for the Packers to, to take a crack at. You know, whether it's Olave or, or the other guy from Ohio State. Remind me of his name. Uh, Garrett Wilson. Wilson, there we go. Uh, you've seen Drake London has been yep. kind of rumored, but I've also seen reports that he's the highest-ranked receiver in the draft, and some have him ranked lower, so don't know if he'll be there. I think, and, and to answer the question I just asked you about the Packers, what's the most disappointed I'll be? If the Packers come out, of the first round without drafting a big receiver, a tall receiver, you know, somebody who can be a number one type receiver, I think I'm going to lose my mind. I might punt my TV across my basement <laughs> if they don't draft a, a, a number one type of receiver. I know they, he may not necessarily be somebody, but if there are, and I know they got to get a, ta- they probably got to get a tackle. Maybe an interior defensive lineman or a linebacker as well, but there has to be a receiver taken in this first round for them. And I, and while I'm a Penn State fan and I like Jahan Dotson, it's just not the right fit. If Devonte Adams was still around, that's the perfect fit. But they need a big number one type receiver, and if they don't do it, I'm gonna lose it. Do you think I'm wrong in, in that thinking, or am I too am I too close to the fire? So I think 
so the Packers have picks, I think it's, it's 22, 53, and 59, right? And yeah. 28. They have 22 and 28. Oh, yeah. So if the Packers are serious about getting a wide receiver and they really, really like a guy, they have every opportunity to go get one. Mm-hmm. So if if Jameson Williams from Alabama is their number one guy, you know, 6'1", you know, good – good range all that good stuff good speed all this kind of stuff if that's their if that's their guy then they have every tool to go and get them i am a big believer in if you're sitting at 22 and 28 you could get a really really good receiver this year even trading back out of those spots but if you want a guy so like i'm gonna ask you wally who's your guy like who do you want the packers to pick i like drake london because of his size and speed I like Jamison Williams. Is Olave the bigger guy from Ohio State? Uh, he's he's no a he's little he's a little taller than Garrett Wilson. And from Ohio I know State. Olave and Wilson aren't really the biggest, but yeah, they're both kind of the the down the field threat as well. But I think it's got to be London or Williamson. Um, or sorry, London or Williams. I think are the ones. Alave or Wilson, I could get behind as well. Those guys yeah. are both about six foot. So I just so this is my this is my opinion on at least the, the guys that you're saying. I think I think in those scenarios, if especially if it's Jamison Williams, um, you're going to have to trade up for him. Yeah. And so and- you, you know, yeah, you're going to have to get out of that spot. And I think one of the things that could happen is the Chiefs with the pick 29 and 30 mm-hmm. could look to get in front of the Packers at 22 to get their guy. So let's say, you know, Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams, and Drake London are all gone, and the Packers are like, man, we're sitting pretty at, at 22, and the, we just have the Patriots in front of us. Patriots probably aren't going to draft a receiver this early. That you know, They just don't have that history of doing that. So, you know, hey, we're going to get Chris Olave or we're going to get Traylon Burks, you know, a big wide receiver that can stretch the field a little bit but can make those contested catches or, you know, things. And all of a sudden the Chiefs trade with the Patriots or something like that. Now the Patriots are, you know, snowballing picks like they like to do and the Chiefs steal their guy. So I think I think if there's a couple options for the Packers, I think it'd be good for them to sit tight and get their guy. But if it starts to get a little, uh, you know, the, the teams like, let's say, the Texans or the even the Eagles or the Saints or, so, you know, these teams start picking at these wide receivers, you can start to see, like, the Packers maybe start hit the panic button if that's the position that they feel like they want to go and get. Yeah, I think you said some great things there. First, the fact that the, the Patriots are kind of right there in front of them and – like you said, they love to dump picks and move back and just stockpile them. And Billy B likes to add all those seventh-round lacrosse players and turn them into wide receivers. So the Packers really need to keep their eye on that. And the and the other thing that would really piss me off is if the Packers bundle up a bunch of picks and trade backwards and like start getting conservative. I mean, it's now or never for the Packers, as much as it's ever been. I know I've been probably saying that for the last two years, but you got to go do something. And now you don't have a number one receiver. And like you said, they have four picks in the top 60. They've got capital to do some things and move around. 
Be aggressive. Don't get beat out by the Chiefs. Don't let other people like dictate who you're going to take. Go get somebody and do something with it. I And for the love of God, don't draft another quarterback. But... <laughs> But do something. Be aggressive. I just don't want to. I don't want to wrap up Thursday night, and I stay up till you know midnight to to see what they get at twenty two and twenty eight, and then all of a sudden they they trade out of the first round. That might also lead me to punting my TV across my room. So though that's my other worst nightmare. But I, I like I like what you said. They've got the capital to be aggressive. They've got teams around them that are kind of setting the scenario. The Chiefs, especially back behind them and the Patriots out in front of them, that there's a very real situation where the Chiefs just leapfrog them and, and trade 29 and 30, get up to 21, and, you know, package some other, you know, later uh, later round stuff with it. So, yeah, they, they got to be aggressive is where yeah, will, my rambles have led me on that. That's okay. And I will say, just to, just to try to ease your pain, if on Thursday night the Packers trade out of 22 and maybe go back to, let's say, 20. I don't know, 30 or 31, 30, whatever it might be. There are some really, I mean, every year the wide receiver group, at least in recent years, is so deep. I mean, if you're looking second round, you get your probably maybe a Dotson if he doesn't go in the first round, a Sky Moore, who's more of like a shorter, fast guy. But that uh, George Pickens from Georgia, that's really, really mm-hmm. good. Um, that John Mechie from Alabama. Um, is another guy that I know he's had some injury history coming out of Alabama, but like, I mean, he, he might be the best Alabama receiver, even more than Jamison Williams, who's probably going to go in the top 10. So I will say if you want a receiver and they do move back, cause they're not going to get their guy. There is some good stuff in the late first, second round that they could do. So don't, you know, don't drink yourself to sleep that <laughs> night. We also reached the point in of, of the show where, John Mechie, I believe you said, was the name tossed out by MJ of a guy I've never heard of, and he has all the info about for the upcoming draft. So I told you yes. guys it would happen, and there it was. Yeah, I mean, just I, if you watched any Alabama games, you know, especially earlier in the year and stuff, but I, I think it was an ACL, I want to say, that uh, he got hurt with. But, I mean, he was – he was if one or one a on the Alabama team, so you know there's there's some there's some deep uh, positions and wide receiver is definitely one of them. Yep. Oh, I guess we I guess we we got into other things right away. Who do you think's going first overall? We never touched on that. Uh, so, am I? I I think Hutchinson probably goes number one. Um, I, I just don't see another player in this draft that is probably better than him. I, according, you know, according to all these like scouts and stuff, um, who was the other guy that you said uh, that you heard that could go number one? I, I've seen a couple mocks with Trevon Walker, the edge rusher from Georgia, that yes. snuck all the way up there. Yeah, um, I, you know, and I'm sitting here looking at one today that had that. Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce his first name. I'll be honest with you. It's the offensive tackle from uh, NC State, yeah. the Equanu. I want to say his last name mm-hmm. is, um, and that's the first time I've seen his name picked at number one which makes sense you know you're trying to protect you know your young quarterback in Lawrence and you know you're so I mean I get that too so it's a year where nobody really knows really yeah I could see the Iquanu as well I'm I'm thinking it's probably Hutchinson with you as well I always get a little leery when like all of a sudden a name that like you said 
was pegged for the Cowboys back at 24. All of a sudden, that starts flying. That name starts flying up the board. Now he's possibly going one. I feel like somebody always has somebody's trying to pull some trickery. There's a little fuckery going on, and they're trying to oh, get yeah. uh, they're trying to make some people nervous about somebody taking him somewhere else and and getting people to pull the trigger on a trade or something like that. So I do. I will say on that one, I did a little research on why that has happened. Why Walker's gotten such a big push to like the top 10 and everything we're early on is basically from what I've read is the media scouts were late on him. So everybody in the NFL basically was like, this guy's going to be probably a top five, top 10 draft pick. Whereas the media was late on him and didn't really get into that. And now it's more out there amongst like the ESPNs and the, all that kind of stuff. We're like, Hey, a lot of NFL teams really love this guy. That's what I've heard anyways. But, gotcha. And everybody else was yeah. just catching up to the reality of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. So the draft is in Vegas. I would, then this is the first time we've had, you know, people at the draft. There was no people at the draft last year. Were there? I think, I think there was, wasn't there? Was it, I think last year they did have some. Okay. Correct? Yeah, now that you're saying that, that sounds right. Yeah. But I would imagine it'll be back to full force. People are going to be getting after it. It's in Vegas. I think they're doing it right down on the strip. That I would assume that's going to be a hell of a scene. The uh, The Vegas hometown guys, you know, the new hometown of the Las Vegas Raiders, those guys don't have a pick until uh, late in the third round. On Friday, so I would imagine the uh, the crowd will be nice and lubed up by the time they uh, they get around to that pick. Expecting uh, any you expecting a wild crowd, real uh, real into it like we saw a couple years ago back in Nashville when they did it out in the middle of the street. I, I mean, I think this is it's starting to become. I mean, over the last like twenty years, the, the NFL draft is starting to become its own entertainment system. Really, I mean, they got bands and. You know, all these different things going on during that, you know, that that weekend and stuff. And I think it was such a smart move of the NFL to, like, make this a Thursday, Friday, Saturday instead of just a two-day event. And they, I mean, the money that Vegas is going to be bringing in with bets and just, I mean, probably drugs, alcohol, whatever (laughs) it might be. I mean, that place is going to go nuts. And it would not surprise me, Wally, just, you know, a little, like, factual part here. It would not surprise me if, I think it's Mike Mayock, right? Yes. It wouldn't surprise me if he tries to get up into, like, the second round on that first night on Friday, or on that second night on Friday just to be like, hey, we got to make a pick here. Like yeah. we we got to get maybe not necessarily for the crowd, but it'll it'll make them feel like, hey, he did that for us, you know. <laughs> yeah, I would I would assume it's gonna be great, and I'm with you. I can you know I don't remember how long now it's been. It's been closer to at least ten years or so that they've been doing the Thursday first round. Is am I right yeah, in that thinking? Yeah, it's been it, it has been quite a few years now. But yeah, that was such a great a great move moving it away from that Saturday morning. Like I can remember like waking up Saturday and you're like, Oh, the NFL drafts on today, but the Thursday night, like you can let people get together, go out to the bar, hang with buddies. And, you know, we did it a couple times back in the day, just get together, hang out and watch the draft on Thursday. I think you and I were watching the draft together when Laramie Tunsil, the, uh, the gas mask <laughs> <laughs> picture broke. No. I mean, 
Like, it was just, it makes for just, like, an incredible scene. And, like, the NFL is just king at, like, dominating the whole year in, like, the sports media. And uh, on that subject, I don't know if you saw this, but the NFL basically was like, we're going to run Christmas Day, too, when the schedule lines up to it for us. They're going to start doing a triple header on Christmas Day. And they're like, yeah, we really don't care that the NBA has always been the Christmas Day thing. We're going to take that over whenever the schedule allows us to be close to that day. I don't know if you saw that. No, I mean, and I just right off the top of my head, they'll dominate. I mean, that that that'll be you know the three most watched shows on television Christmas Day. Yeah, I saw something that they're like, because you know every whenever the schedule, if it's a Saturday or Sunday around Christmas, they'll they've started playing more games on it, and they're like, oh, our ratings are killing everybody. We're just going to double down and go all in on it. So. The uh, the NFL is king and and they know it and they're just gonna sling their dick all over and just you know let everybody know what a long dick feels like today. Yes, they will. Awesome, man. Well, hey, I think that kind of covers most of the draft stuff. Anything else you uh? I, you I saw? got one more thing. I got one more thing okay. for you. All right, then you can let me go. If the Packers come out of the draft with Traylon Burks, the wide receiver from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And a Travis Jones defensive tackle from Connecticut. Would you be happy? I could be. I would be very okay with that. Yeah, I would. I would go to sleep Thursday night feeling satisfied if that's Thursday, and even if that you know happens in some way, other shape or form, with other things happening. But yeah, I could. I could feel all right about that. I saw. I saw one mock with the Packers taking like a cornerback and somebody else, and I about lost my mind. I'm hoping, but I as I looked at the rest of that mock, it was full of just stupid shit. So I'm hoping that's just the complete idiot who put that mock together, and I don't actually have to sweat out the possibility of them taking a quarterback, a cornerback where they actually have some good players. So awesome, <laughs> awesome, man. Well, hey, anything else in the world of sports caught your eye here lately? While well, I got, yeah, I know we we kind of shoehorned you into the draft subject here. Anything else popping up that would have landed on sixty seconds with MJ? Uh, I, I will say, you know, I'm a basketball guy first. Uh, Chicago Bulls have just disappointed me over and over again. So I know the Bucks draw was hard, but come on, man. Like, you're getting beat by 25, 30, 40 points now. This is uh, – it's just – I don't know. But that's all. I was just probably going to bitch about that because it's been bugging me during the playoffs. But yeah, the, I'm excited uh, for the draft, man. I'm excited for the draft. I'm the last gonna... two games for the Bulls have been brutal. I, uh, I had both of those games on in the background <laughs> on the days yeah. they were playing – not good. Not good. No. Well, MJ, thank you very much. Oh, we forgot to tell you. I, I teased on the uh, our previous episode that I was going to have two guests on. I do it. You know, you've probably figured out that we're only having one at this point. Uh, our our other esteemed colleague has come down with a sickness of sorts. He claims he claims he's not capable of talking for this long, and that he will be on for the post draft recap that. MJ will be hopefully coming back for. So hopefully next week we have two commentators on the draft. So MJ, appreciate you as always, my man. Thanks for Anytime. coming on. And we'll uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week to uh, uh, follow up and see what all the shenanigans happened this weekend. We had a big heavyweight fight this weekend, and boy, was it a spectacle. Tyson Fury and Dillian White goes down in front of they claim 94,000 people at Wembley Stadium. Steam looked pretty full. I did see a couple empty seats, so maybe they didn't get all 94, but we'll go with it. 94,000 people packed into Wembley Stadium to see Tyson Fury knock out Dillian White in the sixth round. 
you guys remember last week's podcast, I said middle rounds, no chance this thing goes past eight. So I'm going to chalk that up to another uh, another win for old walls and being a uh, a boxing Confucius here. So Tyson Fury, sixth round, big uppercut knockout. And, and just some things about this. So the ESPN coverage, I just want to say a couple things. Bernardo Asunia sucks. His pre-fight interviews with the fighters were, they were hard to watch, man. I was like struggling to like, I was like, ugh, this is cringy. He's like, what? Are you interested in the glory or the something else in this fight? And Dillian was like, I want to win the belt and be the champ. Like, so Bernardo Sunia, not my, uh, not my cup of tea. Also, as far as the broadcast goes, I thought it was really nice just having Tim Bradley and Joe Tessitore. I'm not the biggest fan of Andre Ward on commentary. I think as like uh, an analyst just at the show, I think he can do good. But I like the flow better of just Tessitore and Bradley. And and speaking while we're on Tessitore, I'd save this for later. He talks in the wrong spots. Like sometimes, just shut the fuck up. Just shut up. Let the moment talk for itself. Like, he was talking through a lot of, like, both of the fighters' entrances before the main event, and I'll get to that. But, like, just let it happen. So we'll, we'll circle back. And before we get to the uh, the main event, that undercard on the Fury-White fight was dog shit. The fight, the co-main event was one of the most boring things I've ever sat through in my life. If that shit had had, like, so this was in England, so I'm watching this in, you know, late, mid-late afternoon. I think the, the main event came on around 4.30, 4.45, something like that. If I had to stay up, you know, until midnight, 1 a.m., and I'm sitting through that co-main event, I might have fell asleep. That was so bad. The The fight right before it wasn't too bad. Pretty good. Pretty crazy ending. Dude just gets blasted trying to duck his head out of the ropes. Weird. But, yeah. So, undercard. Not great. Not great. So on to the main event, and man, there there's a different scene in British boxing. Like they like it more than Americans like boxing, and it shows. Like they're chanting, they do "Sweet Caroline" right before the main event, and the whole crowd sings along. Some asshole had planted himself right next to the mic ESPN was using, though, and it was an awful singer, probably a worse singer than maybe even I could be, and. It just was screaming into the mic, uh, swinging Sweet Caroline. It kind of was messing it up. But other than that, the Sweet Caroline thing's always so cool. Dillian White comes out, comes out to the Jaws theme, then into Back in Black. And, you know, the lights are going. The crowd's huge. They've got this mile-long walk down Wembley. And then that's that was where I originally noted that Tessator needs to shut the hell up. Like, he kept, like, chiming in, like, oh, he comes out to the Jaws theme, and then, and now, that it's just, dude, shut up. We get it. Just let it happen. It's so cool. Like, sit back and relax. And I know a couple of, like, uh, other boxing commentators or analysts were bitching about the uh, the entrances, and, and I know this is probably, like, my WWE influence to it. I love it. There's nothing more in this world that I love more than like a huge boxing event, the entrances, like the anthem, like that whole buildup. I that's my favorite thing in sports. I think some of the only stuff that compares to it is like Final Four or March March Madison General. Maybe like the first uh, 
couple games in March Madness as y'all get all hyped up. Masters weekend, you know, the kickoff at the Super Bowl, stuff like that. Like, that's all that's even compared. But that's my, my favorite thing in sports is the lead up and that opening bell of a huge boxing match. Like, I'll even give you some UFC stuff. They, they're... Their entrances aren't quite on par, but like that lead up and they're in the ring and they're getting announced and then the bell rings and it's like the crowd's on its feet. I don't think there's quite anything like it in sports. So Dillian White's entrance was cool. And then Tyson Fury's entrance was absolutely preposterous. But I loved every second of it. I mean, he starts out, he's singing American Pie. Then they switched to the actual American Pie song and they got Don McLean, the guy who sings it, just like in a ring with a guitar. And then they've got Biggie going and then they're playing Sex on Fire and he's like out there just basking in it. Next thing you know, he's sitting on a throne and then he's like jogging to the ring. It was incredible. I almost think the entire entrances was better than the fight. Just mind-blowing how much fun I had watching the entrances and everything like that. Just absolutely wild. I loved every second of it. In the actual fight, I, I had said, and I, I'm going to my own heart, I said this thing doesn't last eight and that Fury knocks him out. Fury didn't go after him like I thought he was going to, like he has with Wilder in the past couple fights. He sat back and played a little bit more of the boxer and was kind of like feeling him out. Uh, Dillian White came out in Southpaw in the first round and it looked really bad. So I don't know what that was. Uh, but yeah, then Fury just kind of, he, he was kind of setting it up and he was just doing a pawing left jab, pawing left jab. And it's, it's almost like he, he's not even, doesn't even care if it hits. It's just like, just paw it out there, paw it out there, distract him, distract him, get the, get the opening, get the opening. And then man, that uppercut. In the sixth, just uncorked one right onto the jaw, perfectly placed. He was out immediately. Fury gave him a good shove afterwards, though. I saw Dillian White was saying uh, Monday morning here that he was buzzed, but it was the push that knocked him. And, you know, that's pretty standard, but I think he was pretty well out. So, yeah, so Tyson Fury defends the title in... A decent, the fight itself was decent. I mean, anytime you get a knockout like that, it makes everything that much better. The whole card sucked, but the main event portion was awesome. So it was, it was great. I enjoyed it. Tyson Fury, what's next for him? He says he's retiring. I don't buy it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I've been wrong many, many, many times in my life. But I don't buy it, man. I think... I think there's too many. There's still a couple of good fights out there for him that he can make a lot of money on. He had Francis Naganu in the ring. That's about the least interested I am in seeing a fight from him, to be honest. I want to see him face the winner of Usyk Joshua that's going to be coming later this year. I think Usyk wins that, but I, I would like to see him fight both of those guys. I think a fight with Anthony Joshua is still a fun fight. It sells a ton of tickets. They probably sell out of Wembley or... The other big stadiums they have with like, you know, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium over there. Like they're going to sell out a big stadium in, in England for Fury Joshua too. So do both of those fights. Fight the winner and then fight the loser right after it. And then you can kind of say, hey, you really are the big dog of this generation. The best heavyweight of this generation. So 
And, hey, if he's going to have a, a long layoff, go fight Francis Ngannou in a some hybrid thing. And I'm sure that's going to be slanted that he can't grapple and stuff like that. So he's going to smoke him. Just do that real quick in, in the meantime. And then fight the winner, Usyk and Joshua. Please, please do that. Don't retire. Like, you're a fun fighter to watch. Stick with it. So, so yeah, I had a good time with that one. Tyson Fury, huge six-round knockout. One of the best entrances I've ever seen in anything, whether it's fighting or WWE for that matter. Just absolutely incredible. Also this weekend in fights, or this coming weekend rather, we have Oscar Valdez versus, uh, versus Stevenson. This should be a fun fight. Valdez and Stevenson, they're uh, unifying the 130-pound division. This fight's going to be on ESPN. Shakur Stevenson. I Sorry, I don't know if I said his full name. Oscar Valdez versus Shakur Stevenson. This should be a fun fight, I think. I think. Stevenson can make his fights get a little, little clunky sometimes just because he's so good defensively. But Valdez likes to press and be offensive. He's got good power. It's quickness. I just think Shakur Stevenson is on a different level. I think this guy is is bred for superstardom. I think he's going to fly up the ranks. Young kid, American, speaks well. If he just can get his fighting style to be a little more, a little more appealing, and it was versus Jamel Herring, I think he started to kind of figure something out. I think this kid's got superstar written all over him, and I like him to win this fight. By stoppage late in the fight. I think Valdez is going to kind of push. And he's going to be getting beat up pretty bad on the scorecards. Not so much physically beat up. And he's going to start to press late. And Stevenson is so accurate with his punches. He doesn't have to hit it quite as hard as everybody else. Because he places them so well. I think Valdez leaves some openings. And Stevenson gets a late stoppage. Like 10, 11, 12 uh, stoppage. Either... The corner throws in the towel. The ref stops. I don't think it's a knockout. I think it's, you know, TK or something like that. So sprinkle the Stevenson 10, 11, 12 late, late TKO. So, yeah, so that's all in the uh, the boxing world. I didn't pay attention too much in UFC. We're a couple weeks out of uh, a good UFC card, so we'll be touching on that probably next week or so. So that, uh, that wraps up the fight game this week. Flyers update time. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know when the last time I, I, I've told you this. This was a banner week for the Flyers. They went 2-1. 2-1. Started off the week with a 5-2 loss against the Maple Leafs on Tuesday. And then uh, on Thursday, 6-3 win over Montreal. And then on Sunday, this was the good one. This was the good one. Well, Sunday afternoon matinee, if you will. 4-1 win over the Penguins. The Pens taking down the cross-state rivals. Goals in the first. Goal in the second. Then two more in the third. Always a good day to beat the Penguins. Always a good day when you beat the Penguins. Love seeing Sidney Crosby cry. Just, uh, guy ruined the 2010 Olympics for us. Okay, but yeah, good win. Good wins. You know, maybe messing with the drafts bad a little bit, but yeah, whatever. A little, a little good, a little good mojo every once in a while never hurt somebody. Here's the here's the catch. Chicago Blackhawks Monday night. They're also bad. Very, very similar record. I mean, almost identical. Like I think it's one win and one loss off. Monday night, could they go three in a row? Three wins in a row? 
It has happened before. It's called a winning streak, folks. It is called a winning streak. Are the Flyers destined for one? Who knows? Have to tune in and check it out. Another little note related to the Flyers. Uh, the Florida Panthers, since they acquired Claude Giroux from the Flyers, they are, I believe I saw, 15-1. and one. So that, uh, that addition seems to be paying off nicely for them here towards the end of the regular season. May have to uh, may have to root for the Florida Panthers in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs just just for that. So that's our Flyers update. Hey, maybe next week I'll come back and they'll have started the week off on a winning streak. You never know. Now time for some passing thoughts, and I am uh, tossing the golf this weekend in the passing thoughts. <clears throat> Patrick Cantlay and Xander Schauffele were the the winners at the Zurich Classic. That's the two man event. They go. Best ball alternate, best ball alternate. They shot 29 under. I believe they shot even on Sunday in the second alternate. They had better ball rounds of 59 on Thursday, I believe, and 60 on Saturday. So played pretty well in the better ball section of the event. They set the Saturday, the you know, 54-hole scoring record uh, being at 29 under. So what's that, 13 on Thursday and 12, 25, and then a four under 68 on Friday would be my guess what it was. So, yeah, pretty good playing from those guys. My guy Patrick Cantlay, ever since I uh, burned, a, burned a pick on him in my fantasy golf at the Masters on him, he, uh, you know, second in a playoff at RBC Heritage at Harbor Town, and then he wins the, uh, the two man event here. Didn't watch much, if at all, any of this. Did uh, did some yard work this weekend, so that took up quite a bit of my time. Yeah, did some yard work. You know, mowed the lawn. I love mowing the lawn. You know, it was second cut of the year. I'd done it once before. Probably was just didn't quite need it, but had a crummy week weather-wise coming up and didn't want to have to worry about it. But, man, yard looks nice, looks primed, except for the, the one half of it that my dog pisses all over. That uh, that's pretty spotty, but most of the rest of it looks pretty good. But uh, also had to uh, we had some like paver stones around, you know, some flower beds and trees that had sunk into the ground. Had to pull them up and get them reset. Looks like uh, looks like a brand new set of paver stones have been placed around. Pretty happy with myself, but uh, yeah. So also a lot some uh, some uh, yeah some some yard work was accomplished this weekend. Other golf note: I watched the uh, the Greg Norman thirty for thirty this past week. Watching a couple sittings, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Uh, Jason Hares was the director, same guy who did the Last Dance. It was uh, it was an interesting look back. Something I didn't have all the the you know the knowledge of. It was kind of cool. It focuses mainly. I think the main focus of it is the the nineteen ninety six collapse at the Masters. Also touches on uh, eighty seven when he loses, eighty six when he loses to Jack, and you know kind of his ma- major collapses throughout the year. The the one thing I found very very interesting was. That in 1986, he led every major after Saturday. He won the Saturday Slam. Didn't win any of those actual majors. Ends up winning the British the next year and then another one a few years later. But just just absolutely crazy. And, uh, yeah, the other thing that was very interesting was they basically – and golf's funny like this. Like one moment on a Saturday can really affect the Sunday. In the, in the 96 Masters – 
Faldo, Nick Faldo, who goes on to win it, gets up and down on Saturday to get into the last round with Greg Norman. And they talk about how Norman and Faldo are just oil and water. They would, you know, butt heads are kind of rivals. Faldo gets up and down, gets in the, keeps himself in the last group with Norman the next day. Instead of a young Phil Mickelson, who maybe Norman would have felt a little more comfortable with and wouldn't feel as much pressure from, and it's a seven-shot lead instead of six. But yeah, very interesting. I enjoyed it. I'd suggest it if you're a, if you're a golf fan at all. Other news: uh, masks on planes. They're done. Was uh, struck down by a, a circuit court judge. I guess I'm not totally up on how all that crap works, but yeah, a judge uh, down in Florida said this isn't uh, the CDC overstepped its bounds and. Mask on planes are no more. There are some cool videos of people uh, announcing it on planes, you know, as they were in the air or taxiing to, to take off. So that was pretty cool. There was this uh, this person, Lindsay Sabadosa, and she was talking about the mask on planes. She's like, but the real concerning thing is that the federal courts are taking power away from the federal government. Yeah, bitch. That's the point. There's supposed to be a checks and balances. And if the federal government gets out of line, the court steps in and says, hey, this isn't in, this isn't constitutional. You guys don't have the power to do this. You know, the whole you guys remember the jailhouse rock, the schoolhouse rock thing, not jailhouse rock, the schoolhouse rock. You know, there's three branches of the government. One makes the laws, one enforces them, and one double checks to see if they're all right. I'm kind of butchering it, but checks and balances. If one gets out of whack, the courts can say, "Hey, this isn't how it's supposed to work." So shut up, you idiot. Ay, 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 ay. You know, while we're talking about planes, anybody else catch Mike Tyson just laying into some idiot on a plane? This dude, and I've seen a, I've seen the video, and he's like, "Oh, he's been drinking. He's he's giving Tyson shit. Tyson doesn't know what to do." Next thing you know, Tyson is just coming over the top and just wailing on this dude. And then they like show the poster. He's like, "He was just trying to get an autograph. I don't know what happened. Shut up." Asshole, you got exactly what you deserve. Dude gets all liquored up, sees Mike Tyson, and starts running his lips. And uh, my brother was a huge Mike Tyson fan. He's like, how drunk do you have to be to start fucking with Mike Tyson? Just incredible. And it really brings up, Tyson had tweeted this, I believe, that social media made you way too comfortable with disrespecting people and not getting punched in the face for it. Well, that dude learned his lesson today. He got everything he deserved, and I wish they would have let Tyson just go absolutely ham on that dude. And just because there was someone kind of stepping in trying to block it, but man, it would have been awesome if Tyson just could have went twelve rounds and just pummeled that some bitch. Oh God. So other sports news: uh, Wimbledon banned players from Russia and Belarus. From, from playing in Wimbledon. I think that kind of sucks. I mean, not everybody in I mean, nobody, not everybody from those countries agrees with what's going on there. There have been, I believe, multiple tennis stars from those countries who have kind of spoke out against the war. So I think that's kind of crummy. Uh, Jay Wright is retiring, I believe, at uh, age 60, the head coach of Villanova. Nice little run he's had. I, I don't remember how long he's been there, but he had some good teams dating back to the early 2000s and then, you know, won a couple of national titles here. Won, uh, won famously at the expense of North Carolina in a, a game I, I forgot to hedge. I forgot to hedge on that one. I had uh, I had if 
I was in a you know an NCAA March Madness pool, and if North Carolina won that night, I would have won like six or seven hundred bucks in the pool, and I forgot to hedge and bet like a hundred bucks on Villanova, so I'm an idiot. So just made that moment all the better. But yeah, Jay Wright retiring, pretty shocking. Uh, you know, relatively young for coaching, just shows coaches can you know just retire and they don't have to go a whole year and make it all about them. They can just kind of step away. We've seen it. We've seen uh, Roy Williams do it. We've seen Jay Wright do it now. You know, you don't have to make the whole year all about you. It is possible to just, you know, take a step back and say, hey, I'm going to retire. You know? in, uh, in social media news, let's start with, let's start with this one. This Taylor Relent- Lorenz chick, she seems like she's a shitty person, huh? If you don't know who she is, I didn't know who she was. But she's this person who claims she's got, like, PTSD from getting online bullied and all this stuff and was, like, crying in interviews and how awful it is that, you know, you can be treated this way. And, I, you know, I think she said something about, you know, especially as a woman. Well, so what's she do? So there's this, you know, Twitter page, Libs of TikTok. If you've never checked it out, I suggest it. Just a bunch of crazy people. I mean, it's probably not even fair to call them libs. I mean, they're fucking crazier than crazy libs. Like, these are nutso people. So she runs, this person runs this libs of TikTok account. And they basically just retweet, not even retweet. They just take videos that other people have already shared that are fucking crazy and share them with minimal or no comments at all. Well, it's been a, you know, an anonymous thing. This person has done some some interviews and had her face, you know, blacked out and her voice changed. So this Taylor Renz, who's been crying about online bullying, I think she's been bitching about doxing. She doxes this person and just puts her name out there, where she lives, what she does, starts showing up at, like, I don't know if it was her house or a relative's house. Like, uh, so apparently she's not that worried about online bullying. So I'm just going to go with she's a real shit person. As far as uh, while we're on the Twitterscape, it seems uh, all signs uh, point to Elon's going to buy Twitter, that uh, the Twitter board reassessed its position, and they are apparently pretty close to accepting Elon's deal. 43 to $45 billion has been the, the stuff I've seen, so that uh, that's pretty interesting. Be very interested to see where that goes. I forgot to talk about this last week on the pod, so not this past weekend, but the weekend before. I had some Chick-fil-A, man, and in the chicken sandwich debate, I've said I thought Popeye's was pretty good, maybe better. Then I have Chick-fil-A, and I'm like, God damn, how do you do it better than that? Like, I love Chick-fil-A. I think Chick-fil-A's regular chicken sandwich is better than their spicy while we're at it. I think the regular. Just dumped all that good Chick-fil-A sauce on there. Ugh. And and here's the thing Chick-fil-A really has going for it. Like, you go to Popeye's, and God knows, that could be like 30, 40 minute wait. Chick-fil-A... They're hustling you through. They're like, will you keep your car moving, please? So that we can keep getting people through. Like, they're walking along the car. They're out there with the pad. They're, you know, getting your thing. You're waiting. They're, the people are running out. I mean, the service at Chick-fil-A is just incredible, too. I, I'm, I'm torn. I'm torn. The roommate is sticking by her gun. She likes Popeye's better. I'm very torn. I'm going to have to do, like a like, a back-to-back eating test sometime and just try and figure it out. The one thing, though, waffle fries from Chick-fil-A dipped in the Chick-fil-A sauce. Oh, so good. Also, Chick-fil-A's got that good, that good, good ice 
in their drinks, like that little circular ice. I love to chew ice, you know, after a soda, especially after you've had a soda in it and it's kind of absorbed the, the, the taste of it. Good, you know, chomping on some ice. So yeah, Chick-fil-A, I love it. Popeye's is great too. I'm, I'm really going to have to do a, a full dates test. What else? We, ooh, a couple of things. So, and I don't even remember how this came up in a conversation I was having with my buddies over a text message thread. So let's start, let's start here first. I saw iRobot on TV the other day. That's a good movie. I feel like that's a really underrated movie. I mean, Will Smith is great in it. Hey, I don't know if he slaps anybody in the face. He was practicing that slap and hitch though, now that I'm thinking about it. But yeah, iRobot, good movie. I think it's underrated. Fun watch. Hopefully it's not, you know, kind of telling us the future and the robots are going to take over, but I'm always... Anytime I see a robot like roaming around, like they do those robots that can walk and, and do things, I'm like, can we stop? I've seen iRobot. I've seen Terminator. I know how this shit ends. But yeah, so iRobot is an underrated movie. And on the underrated overrated scale, I'm going to give you a flip side. And this may be the hottest take I have. Breaking Bad is overrated. Breaking Bad is just an okay TV show. You guys had a second to let that sink in. I just, I thought it was good. And maybe because I watched it late, I was dealing with like all the hype job around. Like, this is the greatest TV show ever. Like, it's, you know, incredible. It's nothing's ever been as good. Again, I I think it was okay. It took me a couple times to get through four or five episodes. Like, I, I struggled to do that. And that's not always a sign of a bad show because I just started watching The Wire. And it's it, it's take that took I tried a couple times before to watch that and couldn't get into it. And now I very much am into it. But yeah, Breaking Bad, just okay. So iRobot underrated, Breaking Bad overrated. There's old Wall's hot take for you. Last couple things here. So I played golf this weekend, played very okay on the front nine, played pretty solid on the back nine. So this would be my fourth time I've played golf this year, I think. First time I haven't made a birdie. I I whiffed like a six-footer on a par five. I I had to lay it up to like 80 yards out. I hit it to like six feet, and then I missed the hole from six feet. Just really brutal. But it had rained a bunch the night before, so it was walking only. And I walk probably 30, 30% of the time I play golf anymore. For a couple of years, I'd, I'd been walking uh, pretty much predominantly, but I like to play Saturday and Sunday mornings, and me and my one buddy, we typically play together. We usually take a cart, and you can whip around in like two, two and a half hours. That's pretty nice. So, But I, I, I still walk a decent amount, but there were no carts because it had rained so much the day before. Man, was it peaceful. You're just out there playing golf. Everybody's walking. There's no carts buzzing around. Like It was just a really peaceful walk out playing golf and I don't want to bang on cards because I like using them as much as the next guy but man it just I was as I was out there I'm like man this is probably how golf is supposed to feel but yeah so there's that and the last thing here old Wall's house is a survivor I've learned there have been uh there's been media companies and big projects that have come and gone in uh in the time that old Wall's house has been around 16 weeks now, Old Wall's House has been around. I've seen the rise and the fall of CNN Plus. And with, you know, 
with any bit of luck, maybe I'll get near their subscriber numbers. I don't know if that's even a lofty enough goal because apparently there weren't fucking many. Uh, I mean, the thought, though, that CNN Plus, that people were going to pay for it when no one watches CNN to begin with. But they're like, no, what we're going to do is we're going to take these guys that all suck and we're going to put them behind a paywall. And that, that's the key to success. So, Old Wall's house outlives CNN+. Plus. Okay, everybody, closing time now. So, thank you guys so much for coming back for another week. I really appreciate all the support. So, thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody. As I mentioned, if you guys want a, a certain topic, if you got a certain question... Send a send an email into oldwallshouse at gmail.com. Shoot me a text. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, Wally's World09. You can send in a, a voice message via the link in the description of the podcast. That's on Apple, it's on Spotify. If you go into the description of the episode, there are links in there to the voice message, to the support button, whatever you want to do in there, you can do that. So so that's all that. Send those messages in. I'd love to do more of those. And uh, we'll be back next week, uh, next week to wrap up the NFL draft. The, uh, the, the guest of ours that, who came down with a sickness has, has told me he is good to go for, for next week on the wrap-up. So MJ and that mystery guest will be there, hopefully, crossing our fingers. Uh, we'll talk about the Mexico Championship on the PGA Tour. We'll have the Valdez and Stevenson's wrap-up. And uh, probably much more. And as always, you know, you'll get my passing thoughts, so... Thank you, everybody. Look forward to seeing you next week. Till then, peace.